2: Yes, everybody, welcome back to Full-Time Devils. My name is Stephen Howson. Today we have got Scotty, we have got Joe, and we have got John Shin, and we're going to talk a right load of wibble about football. Um, where should we start? Um, well, should we start here? Uh, the fixtures are coming out pretty soon. We're almost going to have games. We are looking like every single TV station in the world's going to get a game by the looks of things uh, which is kind of crazy uh, Amazon are getting it uh, apparently BBC are getting it YouTube are getting some buzzing. Um Sky and BT are getting some I'm sure Sky and BT are absolutely delighted at that
3: and Have they're getting like 300 million much. quid back aren't they, as are they? Well, is like. that the crack yeah I think so I think Sky are getting loads of money back from the Premier League somewhere yeah. around 300 million quid and they still get to televise all the games that they were, that they said they were going to get televised. Perfect, really, for them. Mad, isn't it? Mm. We, we, when do we find out the actual fixtures? We don't know, do we? I wonder why that is. I guess it must just be because we don't know when everything is. But I want to, Mate, know, I I want of to tra- know every no, single actually, fixture. No,
2: I'm do going to say I've got to sort of tickets and travel out. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no. Yeah, who cares? Even if we find out the day before, it doesn't really change much, does it? No, no yeah,
2: even if it's the day of, kickoff's <laughs> at two.
1: Oh, uh, okay. Are th- are there any um, channels that you don't want United to be on, or more than others? Just down to the um, the commentary and the pundits. Like I can't stand Steve at So yeah, I'm, uh,
2: I'm with you on that, mate. He's horrendous.
1: I mean, there's bias, and yeah. then there's
2: bias times lack of intelligence. And yeah. he's sort of in the Venn diagram of the worst possible person to be fucking commenting on anything. And you throw into that that like, he's not even got a pleasant accent.
3: Like, I, like how he, everyone, I like how he throws every sentence over to Fletch at the end. Oh, it's a good pass, that isn't it, Fletch? Every single time it ends with <laughs> the Fletch. What do you think to that then, Fletch? Every single time. Every yeah. time. And he's like, yeah, it's a good good pass, yeah. yeah, yeah he,
2: he, 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 he spoils my enjoyment of anything. I, yeah. He could be commenting on me doing my favourite
3: shit, and I'd have to turn Winning the lottery. Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Oh, he's got the numbers right there,
3: hasn't he, Fletch? (laughs) He's got all six numbers, Fletch. What's that mean? Um, which a
2: jerk and he kept a ticket in left on night.
3: <laughs> I like that it's just on every channel. I'd love to see football on like the shopping channel or something. You've got like the thing down the side of like the countdown until yeah. the, the game starts. We've got just 60 seconds till the game starts. Get your final tickets in now. Here it's we go. It's gonna be Watford that. and West Brom. We'll have the teams in a sec. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'd like to see it on a uh, channel five relegation battles with Ross Kemp. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, he's got like a gun, like in the stadium of light, like yeah. naked Keith Chegwin.
1: You think it's hard down the east end? You want to come down here when Brighton might get relegated? Yeah, <laughs> that'd
3: be great.
2: Yeah, I think naked Keith Chegwin for the game show element of it. Mm. <laughs> that that'd yeah. spice up a like a you know, a rip off Channel Five match of the day. I think. Mm. What's the crack in America there, John? Uh, is it going on all the different networks? Oh, is it whoever had it still getting it? Or I think
0: know? I think NBC's still holding some of them, but I, I I definitely heard about the Amazon thing. I think YouTube is definitely getting some as well. So it's going to be obviously be a little bit more accessible for the people around here, um, which is good news. I personally think. I mean, it might not be the greatest of news if if you're a if you were a broadcasting agency and you're losing money. But as Joe said, if they're gaining money and they're not really losing much in terms of the actual channel, uh, the actual games, the number games, yeah. and if. Americans here have a reason to sit home and watch something. It'll be great. Why not? Yeah. Um,
2: Yeah. It's, it's, we, we talked about the schedule the other day, didn't we? That it's going to be like 12, 2, 4, 6, eight o'clock kickoffs over the weekend. Then is it 6 and 8
3: on weeknights? Yeah, um, when, is that what if, the crack is on that
2: first Friday? It comes back yeah. on a Friday, doesn't it? Are they invent that.
3: Wednesday it comes back. Wednesday, is that, oh yeah, seventeenth. So that's
2: <laughs> so that's them two games then, and we've got to play Spurs the weekend of the twentieth. So it could be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday.
3: Mm. All sorts. I don't know why. There's no games on Tuesdays, is there? That's is that the one day where it's off, or Tuesday and Wednesday? What? Something like this. It's not every why? day, is it? I don't know. I think there's one day or so where it's off, but I, I don't know why that is. Probably just so people can have a rest, but I'm sure they could just schedule it around that. I want every single day Premier League.
2: Yeah, that, we, we were talking before the fixture. We? we were talking about the the World Cup sort of vibe to it. Mm. Are you going to partake in a World Cup kind of vibe, Scotty? Reckon get down a couple of tins and, and just watch every game like it's fucking you know the, the absolute dross of the World Cup, like that you just can't usually be asked with. Or it's Estonia against fucking. Whoever, I, yeah, I'm watching though.
1: Yeah, mate, I no, no, I'm, I'm definitely. I'll be watching probably everything that doesn't uh, involve Liverpool. Uh, I'll be probably watching all the other games apart from that. Any excuse to crack open the tins in the morning, I suppose.
2: I mean, you, you, are you gonna are you gonna watch a game sober? No, right? No. Uh, and with if you're the twelve o'clock kickoff, you're obliged you know, <laughs> to be drinking uh, by about nine thirty, I think. Yeah, not exactly. nine o'clock. Not a fucking animal. <laughs> 9.30 is all right, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still interested in terms of the atmosphere and shit. I know I've seen some people on um, social media they have been saying that they're going to download audio from the internet of, of fan noises that they're going to actually play rather than just listening to an echo of an empty stadium. Uh, I saw
2: a bookie, um on Twitter. They did a live video for like two hours of um, ambient crowd noise. And it's good... When people are passing it around in defence, but when the ball goes forward and into the box, or someone has a shot, and it's just the a...
3: yeah. Well, this is what you need, though. This is where all these musicians and DJs that have been out of work for the last three months get a DJ and who's good at mixing. So you've got your build-ups, you your build-up playing, you've got he's like sliding up the mixer for the crowd getting hyped up, and then the goal is like the drop, just some DJ in the sounds. <laughs> Like that'd be so good. That make money for DJs, local businesses getting supported, and you can have sort of time appropriate chanting and screaming and cheering from the crowd noise. That'd be great.
0: I don't want to give. I don't want to give free pub, but uh, free publicity. But uh, there was a company that reached out to me over last year called Hot Mike. It's a company based out of San Francisco. It's a startup, and um, they did ask me to commentate on games. And what they'll do is they'll sync my a uh, live feed of audio, and they'll overlay their own you know, background noise to fan chants and all that stuff on top of the actual game, so as to provide like a more realistic, uh, um, realistic ambiance in in conjunction with my commentary. So I'd be like commentating on a game, and they'll you can hear the uh, fan stuff and whatnot. And you know, obviously, that was it's a startup, so they're they're not as you know widely known, but. Given the whole situation with no fans in the stadium, I feel like uh, companies like Hot Mike are probably getting a little bit more steam in terms of uh, their, their idea because now they actually don't have fans in the stadium. So if they can generate noise at home without having to actually have the stadiums and the, the Premier League itself generate that noise, they'll be definitely more interesting in terms of watching it. You get, get a little bit more of an actual game vibe.
3: I'd be quite happy as well with that. I I know it seems a bit cheesy and a bit like stupid to play fake crowd noise, but I don't think it'd be a bad idea to do it. I think I think it'd seem all right, if you know what I mean. I think it would if they could do it so that there was an extra cheer when the crowd went in, uh, when a goal went in or that kind of thing. I don't think it'd be a bad idea. I think it'd be all right. Someone said it the other day, didn't they? They've done it on FIFA. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that's all fully automated, isn't it? Yeah. Uh,
2: you know, all you need is, you need a, like, you know, I've got, a, I don't know if this will reach to the camera. No, it won't. I've got a stream deck down here, which is like a load of little buttons on it. You can, Someone yeah. can just be sitting there and they would be like, right, corner. Well, we've got a corner one. Boop. And it's you know, a bit of yeah. extra noise for a corner. Oh, a goal. Boop. Oh, a miss. Oh, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. you only need like 15 buttons. Yeah. I, I, honestly, get some local DJs in and they'll absolutely smash it. It's a great gig, that.
2: Or I wonder if we could do it. I wonder if <laughs> well, we could add our own. Yeah, for the watch-along. Might give one of the lads a bit of a task to do. Yeah, That'd just good, go and that. get Ambient Stadium. So you've got to cut commentary out because I doubt we'd get one's commentary free. Um, or maybe you can do it on FIFA. Yeah, you can turn the commentary off on FIFA. Yeah, and then just go and play, you know, kick it out for a corner, miss, all that sort of stuff, and just fucking uh, we'll add that, that, that in with, with the ambient noise, and then we'll have the stream deck. Corner. Ooh. <laughs> oh. <sighs> yeah.
1: That'd be great. Love it. It'd just be reminding
2: everyone to press it at the right fucking times.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, can you imagine that when it gets to the the, the, the later game and you're absolutely levered because you've been drinking since midday? <laughs> in all sorts of books. But- i'm not leaving it till midday to start <laughs> i apologize i take it back
2: <laughs> yeah there's, there's mistakes like it's happen. all right okay um jay wants us to talk about mason looking good in training because there's a four second clip out there of him turning lindelof now is that mason looking good in training or is that lindelof getting turned and does it really matter
1: I think it's more Jay just missing football and he's clinging everything onto a four-second clip or whatever it was. Um, you can't, you can't, you, you, you can't, you can't take much from it, can you? I think probably more Lindelof having a shocker. Uh, Greenwood should be sharp anyway, shouldn't he? From from, from what he was doing before the break uh, and for his age, you'd expect him to start again going into the the restart where, where he left off, really.
3: Yeah, don't, it don't really. Do, it's just a training clip in it. And also, half the time people spend people spend half the time saying how good Mason is, and then all of a sudden he turns a centre back who people have questions about. And then now it's not that he's good; it's that Lindelof's crap. And like, which one is it? Like, if you turned a prime Maldini, you would be like, "Bloody hell, he's good." But because people won't have a go at Lindelof anyway, then it's sort of like, "Oh, Lindelof must be crap." But Mason's yeah, well, actually pretty good, you know, or, or, you or, or a prime agenda. Steve Nicol. Whoa!
1: Yeah. Nobody turns Steve Nicol. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Is it
2: just the Scousers? And I know, that. right, the, the irony is there's going to be someone in the comments going, always talking about Liverpool. Yep. You clicked onto a United fan channel, which probably doesn't have anything like that in the title. Probably does have Lindelof or Greenwood or probably more like Sancho in the title. And I'm moaning that we mentioned Liverpool. But it's a valid mention, because yesterday Ian Rush came out on TalkSport with some of the biggest utter Bollocks, and it's a fucking long line of bollocks. <laughs> by saying, if Graham Sunes managed today, he would be up there with Klopp, Mourinho, Guardiola, etc. So I was like, okay, let's have a look at the facts. So I dissected it a little bit. Oh, and the reason why he would have been up there with all those like, is because he's played in Italy and he knew all of the new shit they were doing in Italy. Like what, you ask? Like <laughs> where you're in flip-flops. Such groundbreaking shit as flip-flops, apparently. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's got a 40% win record in England, and that includes taking over the champions in Liverpool. You know, he almost relegated Blackburn. I think he almost relegated Newcastle. Did he relegate Southampton?
1: Uh, not too sure.
2: Either way, without even touching on the Alidea shit that happened at Southampton, what evidence is there? And he's, he's managed in... When, was, when did he get... When was his last managerial job? About 15 oh, years it, ago.
3: It's got to be somewhere like 15 years ago, yeah.
2: Feels like it was like late 2000s, doesn't it? Right. At the end of the day, this isn't someone that managed in the 70s and you're saying he'd be good now. This is someone who's managed within players' lifetimes as a player uh, right now. And yeah. the evidence right now suggests that he was shit. So yep. what is Ian Rush sniffing?
1: Well... I, I, Ian Rush uh, famously once said that he hated living in Italy because it felt like living in another country. Um, <laughs> he hated so. the food because it was like, yeah, that, yeah, exactly. So that, 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 that's uh, the level of the sort of IQ we're dealing with, with Ian Rush. i see, I, I seen the same uh, bullshit that was coming out of Ian Rush's mouth on TalkSport yesterday, uh, and I broke it down. I think he played 607 games, and I think he'd won 204, and he was, through his managerial career, he averages one point two points a game now Mourinho Klopp and um Pep should be feeling very fucking upset about being compared next to mm. Graham soon not nobody wants to be compared with Graham Soonis as a pundit or a manager
3: even less as a manager at least as a pundit he's managed to keep his job like fair enough <laughs> people don't like him but he's still working like he's just not a good manager is it? I suppose it's Ian Rush trying to be nice to one of his mates and you can kind of understand that a little bit but this this suggestion that he would be up there with one of the best managers in the Look, world is. There's this trend. Sure, is of he could Scousen, be. If
2: he was. Trend of scousers coming out where they're just talking up mm. everything about Liverpool and no one calls him out on it. Like mm. um, Didi Haman was talking about Kai Havertz. He improves every midfield in the world apart from Liverpool's. What? Wait, what? What the fuck did you just say? For starters, he definitely improves Liverpool's. And there's mm. probably a few midfields that he doesn't improve. Which aren't Liverpool's. Shut the fuck mm. up for one. Then you had, um, is it Tony Evans?
1: Yeah, on the. the and
2: the the, the Steve Nichol was better than Maldini. Take your head out of the fucking oven, my friend, because <laughs> that's the wildest shit I've ever heard in my life. This is a man that amassed the grand total of, of I think I'm wrong, 27 caps for Scotland,
3: mm.
2: but he was better than Maldini. Scotland wasn't because Scotland had, you know, Maldini level defenders at the time no no, this is someone who played for Liverpool and when he left Liverpool did he go for where did he go Blackburn Redding like you know what I mean yeah where did Maldini go that's his fucking mansion lined with European (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck there was another one as well recently basically no one like all of the Jordan Henderson shit and no one comes out and goes I think you're talking total bollocks mm. they all go yep, yep.
3: It's, it's almost that the Jordan Henderson stuff to me has come from this sort of clamour to replace Steven Gerrard in the hearts of Liverpool fans and because he's English and because he's captain and because he looks like he might be winning a title like Gerrard did up until about April most seasons or <laughs> a couple of seasons it's like it's that oh he must be Gerrard so he must be really good when actually like isn't We've all seen Jordan Henderson play. That's the problem with saying he's the best player in the league. We've all seen him before, and especially England fans. We've seen him play 30 times for England. It's not like, oh, is he good? Is he good, this lad? We know he's all right, but that's it. Like All of a sudden, he's getting touted as PFA Player of the Year. And what tends to happen is people just say it enough around Christmas and then it happens. Like the, everyone was just, just decided that yeah, it might be – have you heard that Jordan Anderson might win PFA Player of the Year? And then they just do three months later because it's just in people's heads when they're voting. He's, yeah. all, he's, he's a six out of ten across the board, which is a decent player to have in a team, but he's, he doesn't stand out at anything other than, what, he's English and, he's, and he looks a bit like Stephen Gerrard. Like he's he, – He's just Does a he? decent player, but he's—I mean, just because he's white and he's English and he's got short hair and he plays for Liverpool—that's all I mean. He's just, <laughs> it's just—it's like he's just been talked into this role that he just clearly isn't capable or suited for in being the best player in the league. He's, he obviously is not the best player in the league.
2: John, as a non-Mancunian, are we seeing it differently, or are you seeing the same things we're seeing here?
0: No, you know what I was going to say is I—I um, I, I don't. I don't want to generalize the fans because I'm sure Not will do it. Fuck did. it. <laughs> Come on, John. But I think I think there's a sense for hot takes, not fucking yeah. Ted Talks. I think there's a sense of I think there's a sense of empowerment from, from these fans. Because I've I've used to go to college with fans that would just of Liverpool fans was just non-stop. They would just, just constantly just whip out crap. I, it was the, it was the most unreal shit ever. But now that they feel like they're at a place where they're empowered enough to to have an opinion where you can't just knock it down based purely purely based off of the results following the season, I think they're so more they're sort of in a more higher position to think like, "Oh, you know what? this is my chance to say what I need to really say, how I feel inside, like the Ian Rush is saying, Graham Suness is a fantastic manager because what yeah. the fuck like when when if he did said that if he did said that five ten years ago when Kenny Dalglish was uh, managing when when uh when shit was absolutely hitting the fan you think you think people would have given a fuck no he's doing that now because they're in a position where they can say these things and they can hit more it could hit more targets they can definitely reach out to a wider audience Liverpool a much more positive image that's why these things are being said now it's going to help Graham soon as if Ian Rush comes out into a radio and says stuff like that it's obviously not going to hurt him. It's gonna help them a lot more now, more so 5, 10, 20 years, 5, 10, 15 years ago. You know what I mean? Like they're in a better position to talk about these things. That's why they're just shooting hot takes left, right, and center. Because this is the perfect time to be doing that. You're throwing names, you're driving, you're driving media, you're driving attention. Graham Soon is a TV personality. If Ian Rush talks about how big Graham Sun is. Now, people are typing Liverpool on Google searches. Americans who don't know shit about soccer are typing Liverpool because LeBron James is on an Instagram live saying, oh man, Lionel Messi and fucking like all this shit. They're talking about soccer. He's like, oh man, this is my, this is my time to search Google, search uh, soccer stuff. And now, obviously, now they're hitting up Liverpool because they're doing well in the Premier League. They're talking, Le- LeBron James is the part owner. Of course, these are going to all these things are driving Liverpool forward. You know what I mean? Like, so of course you're going to have somebody like Ian Rush talk about Graham as You know what I mean? It's not. It's it's inevitable. It's it's just power me. It's just power thinking.
1: Can you imagine the disappointment though if if you are a, a fan in America and you have been clickbaited or whatever, thinking that Jordan Anderson is going to be the new Messi that you've not discovered, and then you click on highlights? Mm.
3: <laughs> and <you're> like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets a a few weeks. <laughs>
2: remember Rock Meltdown? Yes, I like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's gone tits up now, unfortunately. It's disappeared, but that used to post the best ones because there was one that I was thinking of. Um, which is when we signed Ronaldo, um, they signed, I don't know, some country now plays for fucking Fleet or something, right? When we signed Ronaldo, they was like, I don't know, oh, who was it?
1: Was it the Italian lad?
2: Oh man, who was it? Basically, it was someone who made a grand total of about three appearances. Was yeah. it Latalek?
3: Yeah, it could be. Was it Milan Barros or somewhere like that, 2004? Oh, it could have been. Because they signed him after the Euros in 2004, I think. Was that when we signed Ronaldo? No, it was 2003 with Sam Ronaldo. Wasn't it? I'm not sure.
2: Here we go. Why Latalek will be Ronaldo's, uh, Liverpool's Ronaldo? There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. The rest of the nation will wake up to Letalek's talents. Uh, he was named player in a youth tournament at a youth world cup. Um, oh, right. Time will tell who got the better deal, but for value for money, I know who I'm backing. It's a big like Julia and Ferguson have both dined at the same top class restaurant and had their pick of the main courses. Julia managed to get his dish at a quarter of the cost Ferguson paid, and yet it's the rival who's getting all the praise.
3: Yeah, and, and also, how can looking back, how disgusting was it that anyone was ever compared to Ferguson But anything? It's Wait, just listen to like... this. List.
2: <laughs> the career paths of Latalic and Ronaldo are sure to cross regularly over the next decade. Yeah. Should the French gem prove himself to be the better player, you never know. Maybe the manager who signed him will get a bit of credit. Mm.
3: Who wrote this? I don't know. <sighs> There's Ian wrote. no way, is there? It just. I, dined at the same restaurant with the same choice of what you what are you talking about that's not how restaurants work you don't go in and then the restaurant choose the price of your meal after you've finished you see the price on the menu you bought a better dish and it costs more i don't understand it's the flowery
2: waffle that they come out with around stuff which means fucking nothing Yeah, constantly. I get clipped up for the the stuff that me and um, Chris did for a video called Flame Wars. Now, it gets taken totally out of context. It's a video called fucking Flame Wars, right? Not a TED Talk. This isn't my presentation (laughs) on why fucking Liverpool shouldn't have signed Van Dyke for 75 million. I'm trying to make him laugh. I'm trying to come up with the, the hottest takes, the funniest things. Just put him off is what I'm trying to say. It's an insult war. You know what I mean? It's yeah, not about yeah. fucking, here's my actual genuine football opinions and please fucking buy my book on the way out. It's nothing like that. You know, if I was to sit there and go, I think you probably got a good deal there with Van Dyke. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, oh you've yeah, probably had a really, good, really good player. Bit, it's, yeah. it was
2: ex- it's expensive, but do you know what? He is a good player.
3: Ha <laughs> ha!
2: Like, what the fucking hell is that supposed to mean? No. So said, so you just signed a £75 million Dutch Chris Smalling. <laughs> the whole yeah. idea is to put people off and make people laugh. The whole idea is to say ridiculous shit. Liverpool fans clip that up because they're like, oh, look, Chris waffled for about half an hour talking about fucking Monopoly. This is what they do. Have you seen the flags that they have? Why is there no, paragraphs on your flags?
3: Saying. Why have you got paragraphs on no, your flags? Just- you shouldn't have a comma on a flag, should you? It's just, get, <laughs> just get the message yeah. across. Full stop. That's it. No place shit. a
1: punctuation on a flag. No. No.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, or a citation. <laughs> fucking references yeah, exactly, yeah. Fucking calm yourself. the bottom.
2: And if you're sitting there going, <laughs> "What's the fat lot on about here?" Google it. Right, I'll tell you what to Google. Just going to see if that works. Liverpool wordy flags. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually changed it to worst flags. Ah, fuck it. That kind of works. Yeah, they're, they're just like, oh, fuck off the lot of you. Fuck all the way off. Rome wasn't built in a day. That was Birkenhead. What does that mean?
3: What?
2: Yeah. You, is Birkenhead's a shithole. Of course it was built in a day. The fact that anyone (laughs) took more than a morning to do it, I'd want my fucking money back. Are you mad? (laughs) Rome's beautiful. What does that
3: even mean? Isn't that seems like a knock on the quality of Birkenhead rather than just part part of the reason why Rome wasn't built in a day is because it's such an established and sort of culturally significant empire that it took a long time to build. That's the whole point. So is it is it is it them taking the piss out of Birkenhead? No. It doesn't even make sense funny though
2: Right, Van Dijk is so good he could shit the bed and still wake up with a clean sheet too long (laughs) it's
1: like a knock knock joke here's one Liverpool FC our boss Hugo nowhere we go everywhere (laughs) (laughs) check this out this is a full
2: quote on a plan. passionate about what they believe in that could be anything there's a colon. Politics, <laughs> comma, football, full stop. Whatever Scousers do, it's 100% or nothing. And then attributed, Trent Alexander-Arnold.
3: That's on a flag! <laughs> Shut oh. up, you wordy dickheads. C- can I just hear that Scousers everywhere, somewhere nowhere one again, please? Just so I can remember that in uh, brain.
1: Liverpool FC, our boss, Hugo nowhere. <laughs> we go everywhere, <laughs> Salah making <laughs> real
2: chicken in Kiev. What does that mean?
1: One. You go
3: nowhere. Did you write that down? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. That's really good. <laughs> um,
2: some very unsavory ones here. Um of course. which I'll I'll just leave. Um a year of Kenny trophies we're kissing, a decade of mice and not a pot to piss in. That worked out well, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, oh, just... I can't believe... Look, oh, what, this, what the fuck is this one here? There must be something in the water in Manchester. It made Cantona I yap about seagulls. Rio forget. Rude fall over in penalty areas. And now Neville's hallucinating. He's dreaming of emulating our success history. Gary, don't make us laugh. That's what we call history.
3: What?! The what fuck is that? That's not on a flag, is it?
2: I will. Hang on, I can put it on the screen here, can't I? So I'll fucking show you.
3: That's just too long, isn't it? What the fuck? You wordy gobshites. Also, don't use history in in both of the last two sentences. You would that's, use a different word. Where's uh, the desktop, desktop?
2: Desktop, yeah. You fucking wordy assholes. Yeah. One sec I'll put this on the screen and you going oh the fat lad's talking shit no one would put that on a flag fucking wouldn't they oh, <laughs>
3: alright big it, long a lot of words
2: you fucking knobs fun though I fucking hate them I fucking hate them yeah I'm just trying. I'm. I'm now. I'm. In, I'm deep in the rabbit hole. Just looking at the absolute fucking wibble that they come out. You gotta
3: pull yourself out.
2: Oh, uh, pull myself what? Out. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, right. What else did Jay fucking request that we talk about? Um, I don't feel like I can go from that into the Black Lives Matter stuff. Um, for obvious fucking reasons. Um. Mm. So we'll move that to the back end of what we're going to talk about. Let's talk about signings then, because it seems like United seemingly are in the mix for Timo Werner. I'm not buying that, or any of you lot.
1: Can't see it. No, I can't see if we weren't going to pay the money for Haaland, Why we're going to spend there? But they're talking about 50 million for Werner, and I think with him mm. being, I think with him being German, and I think they're linked. He's linked with Liverpool, isn't he as well? Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I just I think but I think that that seems more suited for him and uh, for me with the rumours coming out about Sancho I think that seems the more hopeful That that's the way we'll be going
2: There is some talk on Bellingham Um, Has anyone asked whether we get him or not because surely he's not he wasn't one that you was expecting would be starting you know given the number eight shirt next season and all that sort of shit Mm
3: -hmm. I mean I'd be happy for him to sign he looks like a good player and I like the idea that we're going after sort of young 16 17 year old who are meant to be the most kind of outstanding players for their age group and stuff i think that's a good sign that we're going for him but it looks like it's between us and dortmund for that one doesn't it and i wonder how that would affect the sancho deal and all that sort of stuff uh, obviously i'd want him um but it, the this the, they're talking about like 30 million compensation as well which seems ridiculous for a 16 year old like yeah. that's he probably wouldn't have paid that for him if we were buying him outright so i'm surprised it's such so high the numbers are so high that but uh, yeah I want it. it's just nice to have players in it especially if they're good
0: John what uh, I mean like uh, I, I I I've said this in the I said this before even before the pandemic even came I we I think Manchester United are probably fixated on one target and one target only and that's Jayden Sancho I mean Jude uh, Bellingham sounds like a good prospect um I would I'd like to have Timo Werner, but like you mentioned, he's heavily linked with Liverpool. I probably think he's probably going to go in that way anyway. I think what we can focus on is Jaden Sancho getting somebody in building this team one step at a time is probably more crucial than ever, especially yeah. given these times. You don't even know what the 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 transfer financial norms are. Like where's the standard? Nobody knows. Like you know, Joe's mentioning 30 million of compensation piece. Who knows? Maybe that might be the new norm going forward. Maybe that might not be the new. Nobody knows. What I know for sure is. If we were on target, if we were on the right path going forward to signing Jaden Sancho, we need to be on that path even more so than ever given the current situation uh, leading to this uh, end of the season. We need to get him. We need to lock him in. That's probably should be number one focus.
3: Yeah, I don't think we need that. I think if if we're going to go from where we are now to winning the league, we need many players, obviously. But with what will be available this summer – and if you think about sort of midway through January, when we it didn't, we weren't certain whether we'd get Bruno, it looked like Pogba was going no matter what. We are basically two players up in midfield on where we thought we might be starting next season, assuming Pogba stays. Um, and then all of a sudden, if you add just, even if it's just Sancho to that, I think that front six is so much better. If you, you know, in, in November, December, when we were losing a couple of games, just before we beat City and, and Tottenham back to back, and you said, next summer, you're going to have Paul Pogba, who we all thought was leaving, Bruno Fernandes, who no one thought we were going to sign, and Jadon Sancho in this team. You would have taken that then. Um, and obviously things beco- have become so much more difficult. It looks like we've got less money to spend. People are less keen to sell players because they think they're going to get less money for them. So I think even if it is just Sancho, uh, but it has to be Sancho, yeah. uh, then I think it's relatively successful.
1: I think it's a, it's a huge um, statement. I know that we've sort of talked about before that we're not going out signing proven marquee players, but in terms of his level, and for me, he's one of the best young footballers in the world. And that's such a statement from United to go out and actually sign Sancho. That would be huge for us. If, if, we go up, if we go up against the likes of... If, if he goes back to City or another club, then I think that sort of... It looks badly on United if we can't get him. And another thing on this, when we're looking at people like Bellingham... Is that I'm getting worried about our youth academy because when's lot like, I, I know I've had Rashford and McTominay come through. But when what's happening at United's youth academy where we're having to buy 16 year old lads from Birmingham, why are we not able to bring so many players through anymore?
2: It's a weird one, though, isn't it? Because you have got Levitt, you have got Garner, you have got uh, you know, Mengi, Mabry. There, there's tons of players still in the academy, led um, that could go on and do bits. Sometimes those players get that little bit of a development. Outside of the academy system, like someone like uh, Bellingham has gone and done by playing first team football in a championship at fucking sixteen, guys are absolute tanking. Can you imagine what he's going to yeah. be like in eight in eight years when he's still eligible for young player in a fucking year? No. <laughs> like that's fucking mental. Like so, I think that that just to me proves that the academy as a system is a little bit on the broken side because. Mm. We're always talking about, you've got to loan these players out. Well, why can't we have something in place where these players are getting that level of experience, that competitive sort of football? This is on the FA. This is on the Premier League. Fucking Scudamore up the age of the under-23s, 223 from 21, because he said the average first-team player makes their debut uh, at 23, Right. If you're 23 and you've not made a first team appearance, you're still playing under 23 football. I've got news for your cupcake? I'd start going <laughs> fucking prepping your CV because you're working at Subway in the next fucking month. Like, you're not going to be a professional footballer if you've not made your debut before 23. Certainly not at Manchester United. You're not. Yeah. At 23 years of age, there's got to be some exceptionally fucked up circumstances for you to to just be making your debut at 23. You know what I mean? You've got Bellingham will have had seven years first team experience on you by the time you get to that point. What the fucking hell is the point in this? So for me, the Premier League have to step in and they have to find a way that doesn't fuck up the lower levels by... I would like a B team, but I also fully understand the opposition to that from the lower leagues. Because while we look at it with United glasses on, like I'd go and watch it. I think they'd probably get like five, six, ten thousand 10,000 for a big game watching United's under-23s in League 1 or League 2. Well, how many are going to watch cities? Well, city barely fucking have more than that with what's going on in the first team. If you put a city team down there, that's their under 23s that are never getting played in the first team. You're going to have fucking 27 people turn up. You know, and, and some of the other clubs in the league as well, do they get, um, you know, do they get any sort of attendances watching, watching their kids as well? So, you have to have uh, some sort of development that fits all clubs, which suits the development of all clubs. Could you do it at a conference level? Is that then taking away the opportunity for some clubs to, to progress into the professional leagues from the conference? Because the conference is a hell of a standard still. And the conference would probably be a fantastic proving ground. Imagine Mason had just played 60 games in the conference before making his first team debut. What the fuck do you think yeah. anyone can throw at him uh, from a physical point of view, that he's not already seen at conference level. You know, yeah. there has to be some way for clubs to uh, to keep players developed in-house, uh, but also give them some serious competitive football because the current system doesn't fucking work. It's no good. Um, the, the age group system alone is kind of flawed a little bit anyway, um, but there isn't necessarily a fairer way to bring people through. But all that happens is when United are playing Liverpool and Everton and City and Derby and fucking all of these teams, all them players know each other. And it's just yeah. all of those players. And even if they move clubs, now it's just that he plays for that club and he plays for that club. But it's the same players playing against each other. They don't play against kids from other countries. They're not playing against people from other leagues. They're not being exposed to enough different styles because there's such a... Um, Here's how you're supposed to play football now from passing it out the back. The other keeper gets involved in it. This, that and the other. There's this whole identity that's been um, fostered by coaching and, and play the FA way by coaches in England that most players are, are, know what to expect. And then when someone comes in that you know, was brought up in Portugal or Brazil or Germany or Slovakia or fucking Senegal, and they've got a different style of play or a different flavor about a different way that they're approaching it. People don't know what the fuck to do about it because they've not been exposed to it for years. To challenge these players, you've got to be exposing them to different stimulus all the time. And you have to be exposing them to competitive play where it fucking matters if you win or lose. Yes, there's probably a little bit too much pressure at grassroots and certainly academy levels at like under 13s and under 14s. Cause the amount of people that will go from that to be professional footballers is minuscule. But once you get to under-18s level, your job now is to be a footballer. And there has to be a pressure. Because guess what, fuckface? In two years, you might be running out in front of 80,000 people. You better believe they're not going to be thinking about your fucking mental health if you miss a a chance to win them a trophy or if you cost them a chance to win a trophy. And going from being mollycoddled with this bullshit fucking soft, um, everyone fucking plays fair and the results aren't published in case it hurts your feelings world to the big bad professional sporting world where they'll tell you you're a fucking cunt and need to die if you miss a goal. Now, how do you prepare people for that unless you're actually trying to prepare them actively for that? It's not going to happen. It's on the Premier League.
3: Do you, th- do you know with the, the, the younger groups and if they do a second team and they put it in the league... Is is the potential for promotions and stuff as well? Is there, in theory, a, a case where Man United have got two teams in the Premier League? Is that possible? How is it capped? And what? No, what it don't work about like that in, you know? in
2: like Spain and stuff like that. The the you know if they end up in a playoff place, it goes down to the next one,
3: to the next one. So you have to you end up staying in that league no matter what. Does does but that also? If the it's an age group thing, yeah, it
2: does, and and that's why I understand. Uh, some clubs opposition to it saying it devalues their competition. It does. But I don't know a better way to do it. Those lower league clubs will tell you stop hoarding players. Okay. That's not going to happen. That's like telling a billionaire to just give all your money away. It's not. You know, would that solve hunger? Yeah, probably. Are they going to do it? No. So I don't know how you're going to do it. Anything on that lads, John, are you going to join in with a group?
0: Oh no you 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 had
1: a you had a very good uh, statement there I was listening in. Um, it's, it's it's come <laughs> so I'm wrong. Do you think it, anything's on United then to be loaning out the players and that because I think United yeah, mo- 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 model over the last few years is that we tend to get them to the age of twenty twenty one to get a small run the team and then if they're not good enough then they just seem to fall by the wayside. I, I think the last player that we've seen go out on loan and come back was probably Twan Zabe, was it it, uh, at Villa? Mm-hmm. And I'm not too sure. I actually thought he'd come back and play a lot more games when he came back from Villa, but um, you know that, that's not happened so far. But I can't, I can't recall how many have gone out on loan from United and actually made it into the first team. Now, whether that's down to the, the managers or the shit show that United has been post-Ferguson. But if you look back, um, I hate going back to the class of United too, but obviously like the likes of Beckham went out, didn't it, to uh, Preston as a loan. So it, 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 I, I, I agree with your point, um, but I think some of the responsibility is on Man United that they need to be putting the players out there. I'm not hoarding them. And that will help the... That will, in the same way, it will help the lower-level um, teams out by having these better-grade players in their leagues, you know what I mean, for, the, for, for their fans to for fans to watch. But I do think it's some responsibility on the club.
3: Yeah, well, we used to have the thing with... Um, who was it? was it Antwerp that we used to loan players out to a lot. Who was that?
2: Glazer then, stopped
3: it. Yeah, and then we stopped doing that sort of six, seven years ago. But it does seem as though, yeah, the, the, the amount of players that have been out on loan... And come back and made it into the first team is very slim. Obviously, we've got Henderson, who's sort of partway through that process at the moment. Twan Zabies won. But other than that, I can't. The one. It was the last one before that. It was been. Rashford didn't go out on loan. I don't think McTominay went out on loan. Lingard was the last one before that. And that was nearly, what, five, six, seven years ago now. So, yeah, I wonder why we don't have more people going out on loan and more. Maybe it's just because we've had such a thin squad over the last few years that we haven't had chance to, you know, the likes of. Garner and Levitt and stuff who have been yeah. linked with loans this season, but I've never gone out on loan have they, unless I'm mistaken. They were both linked to loans and never went on them.
1: Not that no, and that, and that's the issue with the, the Jude uh, Bellingham thing is because that the, the talking that we we sign him and then loan him back out for two years. Yeah, and she, <laughs> so we're going to go completely against everything we've done up until this point to try and sign mm. a 16 year old where we might have the similar sort of talented player, but hasn't had the experience that he has because he's not got the he's not, he's not been able to play in a championship.
0: I think we I think we have to have a clear cut strategy in terms of how we progress. I mean, over you know since post Ferguson, a lot of the noise with respect to the uh, with with respect to the youth academy was, what are we doing with our youth academy? Uh, We talked a lot about you know are are we going to loan players? Are we just going to bring them up to the first team? Are we going to give them more opportunities? I mean, we talk about Angel Gomez all the time, you know, not getting his opportunities. And I think the the main focal point is we needed to identify what our strategy was. The youth academy right now, whether or not you're La Masia or whether or not you're just a Joe Schmoe youth club, it's a, a youth academy. It's not the same as it was back in the 90s. It's not the same as it was back in 2000. The Premier League has been restructured to become one of the biggest financial sports establishments on the globe. You can't just... You can't just operate based off of what's been happening in the past, and I hate to say it because you know you're now you're knocking on the doors of tradition and you're knocking on the doors of values and whatnot as a youth academy. But they Manchester United needed to have a clear cut approach in terms of how they operate as a youth a youth academy. I mean, for instance, you look at Chelsea; they loan out players like like they drop flies. They just what a, whether or not you're you're in agreement with that, whether or not you're against the fact that it's successful or if it's a failure, at least they have a clear cut strategy in the way they go about their youth academy. They know that they just sign a bunch of players and they loan like thirty forty kids. Whatever the strategy is, at least it's clear cut. And I think well, magic is it
2: successful though? No, I don't think I, it I makes them say- good money.
0: Yeah, it's not, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's not successful on the pitch for per se. I yeah, don't agree yeah. that it's been successful on the pitch. But at least what I'm saying is, they have a clear cut strategy about the way they go in terms of their youth academy. Yeah, they I make think it if you look,
3: twelve to fifteen million quid a year, selling like this guy, that guy, four million here, six million here. They did. It does make them money. But yeah, yeah, it's a slightly strange sort of uh, conveyor belt of players, seeing them as as. as Kind of pieces in a business rather than as play uh, as footballers, which is what John was alluding to. It's it's more about the money than it is trying to get young kids uh, some game time, isn't it?
0: And just to and just a quick uh, just to touch in uh, touch on what Joe Joe was saying before with respect to this squad depth. You know, he was saying like maybe we couldn't loan these players out because we were also thin on the squad. You have to understand that the youth academy also works in conjunction with your senior squad. If you need players because your senior squad is so under like so underprepared, you're going to need backup. Why do you think that Louis Van Gaal needed to t- tap into uh, Rashford because he needed backup? You know these players are there to serve as uh, as youth co- players growing up as to be to aspire to become senior footballers, but they also have to be ready in case they they, they need to heed to the call. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're a main if your senior squad if you're ofi- if your official squad is perfectly ready if you're tuned out ready to go if you don't if you don't have if all these issues you don't really necessarily need to tap into the youth academy right That's, there's no need for that if, especially if you're succeeding in the premier league but if you're if you're a mess up top then you're bound to be a mess in the bottom just below that if you're organized up top then you're you're obviously going to be organized on the bottom or you're going to be less troubled with organizing the the lower the youth academy in our, in our conversation sake but it's just like imagine United has had such a uh, an issue with the way that they organize everything just in a grand scheme of things i think youth academy is just one of many issues that need fixing and you know i'm not just trying to sound doom and gloom i think we were on a right path going forward but you know that's another thing like it just goes to everything just wrapped up just goes to show what i was saying the whole time we need a clear-cut strategy and we need to identify that going forward I, 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 I've, I've been waiting for
2: you lot. I feel I feel like I fucking chatted loads of shit today, so I was waiting for you lot to all dive in. Um I, I don't necessarily think that United's Academy is, is that much of a, a big drama to be honest. I think Stolsky has used it a lot. People exactly. will disagree on his utilization of Angel, but I don't think Angel's lit up the under 23s, and I think you have to be um in on merit, not on potential. Um and I think I don't think the merit was necessarily there. I mean, people can make all the arguments you want, and y- you might have some validity to them with how shit uh Pereira and Lingard have been this season. Um, you know, but the manager's been making those decisions, and I would say by and large, those decisions he's been making appear to, to look like they're becoming justified. And I also don't think that the club should uh, and um would be held over a barrel by an academy player. I don't think that's right. I think it should be the other way around. Um, but yeah, I think uh, let's wrap it up with with what's going on in America because I don't think it can be uh, ignored. Obviously, uh, we've seen footballers coming out and supporting the protest. Hilariously, John Terry and, and Suarez have, have uh, decided that Black Lives Matter um, at the moment to them. Um, we've also seen Chelsea Football Club hilariously and Liverpool Football Club hilariously supporting the cause. Um, didn't get some T-shirts out this time. Maybe they're on order. Um, obviously, what's going on in America uh, it affects a lot of people. And I've seen, know I've had a, a bit of a say on it on social media, and I've seen Americans saying, fucking stay out of it. It's an American thing. I don't think it is, for starters, just an American thing. And I also think in 2020, culture bleeds over worldwide. Uh, there's very little insula about any you know, unless it's mm. you know I don't fucking speak Mongolian something might be massive in Mongolia that I'm not aware of, but you know by and large the world is is one fucking thing at the moment, and what goes on whether that's Venezuela or Brazil or Australia it echoes across the globe um and I think people have seen uh the injustice um of what's been going on in America. Uh, people have seen the the hypocrisy of what's been going on in America. And and I think people are angry. Um, I, I think they're fucking every right to be angry. And I, I, I don't like how a lot of people line up on wh- whether you're fucking for the president or against the president. If you voted for him, you voted for him sound. You don't have to like everything he fucking did ever, mm. which it seems to be a lot of people get caught up into that
1: mm. because that's there's true. some
2: shit in terms of leadership that's, that's happening at the moment, which is fucking hilarious and hypocritical. Um, but I, you know, I would just like to say, if you're in America, obviously, like John is, uh, and we was talking before we went on air about you know what's New, New York like at the moment. John, of looking, let everybody know how it is in New York at the moment.
0: Um, you know, it's one punch after another. I mean, we were talking about 2020, literally feeling ac- apocalyptic. That's exactly how New York feels like. I have friends uh, living in the city. I have friends uh, live obviously i have friends living around here but it's just a mayhem everywhere there's just shattered glass everywhere rioters looters protesters it's just a whole shebang you know there are the obviously the the protesters, the majority who are peacefully protesting who are protesting uh, and and you know are in compliance with the law and are getting home before the curfew but there are the bad bunches just absolutely fucking wreaking havoc in the city and it's unacceptable and it's just it's scary to watch and it's you know when we were when we were coming on the live streams, we were talking with Doc. We were talking about joshi We were talking with Paul. We were talking with all these gents, and they were reassuring, talking about the pandemic and talking about how you know we'll get through this. This is a, this is a, a battle of the century. It's another battle that we're having to fight. This this idea of systemic racism and it's just it's exhausting. I mean, New Yorkers now have this. Um, this mentality of exhaustion. I mean, we are, we're so done. We're so tired and we're so exhausted. And and imagine being a, a, a minority group that's having to fight for your life in the midst of shit like this. I mean, it, it, they're yeah. so fed up and it, rightly so. And, you know, I'm a minority group myself. You know, we talk about systemic racism all the time. You know, in, in, your, in America, we talk about yellow peril standing out for black, you know, black power and just black lives matter. It makes sense. It's just it's a systemic racism that. That's been the root of all of this for years. It's not just something that's just been coming out right now. You know, you're talking about the president voting for the president. You know, De Chappelle said it. He ain't what it's all about. He ain't the hokey pokey. This it's just not just him. This has been going on for years, and it's just mm. blowing, it's just blowing up at the worst, most unfortunate time, but it's inevitable and it's it needs to happen because we need to make change and this needs to happen now.
2: Yeah. There, there's, there's things happening right now when the police are aware of the spotlight on them and they're still acting like dicks and they you know, I've seen reporters, I've seen uh, medical staff, I've seen just, you know, civilians. I've seen them arrested for talking, which I thought America was all about freedom of speech. Mm. I've seen people shot by police for standing in the street after a curfew. And for anyone that's like, well, they was there after a curfew. Cool. Well, the penalty is a fine or imprisonment, not, get fucking shot like that's the difference you uphold the law by being the law not by breaking the fucking law that makes a mockery of the law um and i think you're absolutely right on it it's not um for everybody that's about to say all lives matter of course they do But you can't deny that there's a systematic racism in place, probably worldwide, but certainly in America, and it definitely seems to be disproportionately affecting black people. If you can't see that, you're not looking for it. And that's all I would say on that, because what I'm seeing is fucking horrific.
3: And the timing of it as well. like The last four years of the way the politics has been in America and in England and in the West generally, we've seen this trend towards a more kind of right-wing ideology that's come in sort of post obama uh, post tony blair post iraq war and and the whole rhetoric from especially from trump the whole time has been us versus them uh, the lamestream media fake news they're all liars and fakers and they do this and we're all tough and strong and we like guns and it's all about us to do what we want so it's no surprise that four years of that combined with What has been like we said systemic racism for hundreds of years not just 10 years not 50 years hundreds of years it's no surprise that it's come to a peak or another peak now and obviously it's it's just like you said the thing of these people who know that the cameras are on them who can literally see cameras in front of them let alone news cameras social media and every everyone knows they're being filmed and they're still pulling people's masks down that they've got so that they don't catch coronavirus and spraying pepper spraying people's eyes when they've got the hands above the head, or the breaking into people's cars and tasering people when they've just set, they're just sat in traffic. You think that that sort of reaction and response can only come from people that think that they are either too powerful to get prosecuted or don't care about the people that they're treating um, uh, to, to be willing to do that when Did they know they're being Did you see the sheriff of Flint? Uh, no, I don't think so,
2: mate. Gotta give a shout out to that guy because that's the choices that I think that the police have got here. People people that will only look at it one side, go, Well, they're looting. Okay, no one's saying condoning the looting. Right. That happens. It it happens. But the police should always be held to a higher standard than the average member of the public. Yeah. You know, when you get to carry that badge with the rights that come with being able to imprison other people and the fucking firearm that's on your hip, that comes with a responsibility. I've carried fucking weapons in places I know the responsibility that comes with those things I know the seriousness about pointing a fucking rifle at someone and what happens when you pull the trigger You know, I, I think most people would assume I would just side with the police but no I side with what's right and what yeah. the responsibility is huge on the police and I expect and demand a higher standard for those who are put in power of people the The mayor, mayor or sheriff it was of Flint um, what's up And said, we are you. We're going to kneel and then we're going to march with you on this protest. And guess what? No fucking violence. My issue with all of this is that I'm seeing, whether it's agent provocateurs, whether it's people having a fuck about, or whether it's the police themselves, I'm seeing the police continually escalate this shit. I never see a de-escalation. I never say someone go, do you know what, you're right, give me a hug. Right? I never see anything like that. Until that mayor the other day, and he was like, we the police, we're going to march with you because we believe with what you're saying. I think there was Miami as well. all the, An entire police department knelt down in front of the protesters. Guess what? Diffused it immediately. And then you see the young man that was really fucking upset preaching in a park who gets arrested and the crowd loses their fucking mind. Of course, there's a way to deal with this. And I think from Trump down, because Trump's attitude is smash this. Yo, know, I'll send the fucking military in. Watch what happens now. Fuck me. Do you know how many fucking constitutional things you've got to fucking circumvent to do that? That, that? that and it's all of the people that are the the that are almost like the religion of constitution with some parties in America. But they'll happily turn a blind eye to him doing this because he's going to go smash black people. and They didn't really like black people anyway.
1: They've been for me. It's um. White people need to be more vocal because, like, like uh, Joe was saying, that this isn't this isn't a new phenomenon. This has been doing this has been going on since fucking people were were taken from Africa and put into America, and it is a global issue. And it's about time white people started standing up and self policing within their own race and calling people out on their own bullshit. Mm. And now the the thing that's happening with the, with the police force uh, in America, they've been empowered by Donald Trump. When you've got a fucking president that's talking about bullying and, and turning an army on his own people. What message does that send down to, to, to your troops? What is that? And, you, I, and you're right in what you're saying, Steve. This isn't just an American issue either. It's a, it's a global, and we need, to, we need to really look at 2020 and see how intrinsically we are all connected when someone who's having some strange thing for dinner in fucking Wuhan can, can cause a pandemic halfway around the world. And then how, when an innocent man is killed uh, in Minneapolis, can cause protests all around the world. We are all connected so much now and we all have a responsibility to start trying to do something about it. And I'm fucking sick of it and it needs to be changed. Sorry, I got to so wise me up.
2: I don't know you're fucking speaking out of turn, mate. I think yeah. I totally agree with you. And no? I think you're right. And uh, there's been so much of, now's not the time to just not be a racist. Loads yeah. of us have gone through life just not being racist. Now's the time to be vocally anti-racist. Yo, Instagram was a fucking shit show yesterday. You couldn't look at anything. It looked like it all wasn't loading because it was just full of black squares. Mm. You know, and that's what I love to see. I love to see when a campaign has got that sort of thing, but it needs more than just posting a fucking picture Mm. on on your Instagram and thinking that you ended racism. It's about being vocal. It's about being vocal about calling out bullshit wherever it is. In England, I think I said this yesterday, in England, the police racism is probably pulling over a black lad because it looks like he probably doesn't afford his car,
1: right? That's it. No, more than that, mate. But what what, what about uh, the beginning of May when the, uh, the black man was at a petrol station and he was fucking tasered yes. in front of his young son? Now, yeah. fortunately in this country, we don't have guns. That, well, that's that, what I was about put... to say. Yeah, 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 I, so
2: yeah. When I say yeah. it's only that, I want to yeah. finish because this will look weird. Um, <laughs> it's, only, it's only that they don't necessarily have the risk of being pulled over and shot. Like the the thousands of interactions that you get in the States, they might get wrongfully arrested. They might get wrongfully charged. They might get pulled over more often, but I'm pretty sure most people would take those things versus the, the threat of your life going away in every instance. Uh, So even though yes, systemic racism is definitely still a thing in England, I'm sure. And I'm sure anybody who's, who's lived in England can attest to that. But, at least most of those interactions, while they might fuck your plans up for the rest of the week or the day, you know, you you've still got plans for the rest of the fucking week or the day, you know, and you're not fucking lying in a, in a pool of blood on the fucking floor. Um even the if we go back to the the de escalation thing, the the arresting officer in the George Floyd incident, this was someone writing a bent check,
3: right, which turned out not to be. Was it not? Okay. I think uh, from what I heard, it wasn't, but yeah, either, okay. it re- doesn't really matter either. Does no, it? That's the thing. Even it if cares. it was, what yeah.
2: justification is there for having a handcuffed man on the floor and kneeling on his neck? If you, if, is he a threat to you? No, put him in the fucking van then and get him out of here. Deescalate it. You can surely arrest people without inflicting physical harm on them. I, I say this as someone who's been arrested more than once. You know, yeah. one time they broke my hand. Uh, another time, they, they, uh, when I was arrested, they put me on the back step of uh, the police van with the engine running. Uh, uh, and so I'm, I've am i got my hands tied behind my back and I've got my face on the fucking side of it. Now, I thought that van was going to drive off and I was going to faceplant. That's what I was expecting. They didn't. They put me in the back of the van and then they broke my hand by like kicking me. Now, once I told them I was in the army, they said, should have said it sooner. We'd have just drove you around the corner and let you out. And you're like, what the fuck's all that about?
1: Fucking okay, hell.
2: Um, and the, the other time, w- w- you know, they, they told me I was under arrest, and then I I, I went and fucking sat in the van. You no, know, I've never fucking kicked off. I mean, all right, I, both times was for fighting. Before anyone starts fucking going, oh my god, what was that for? Um, and one of them was at football. But at the end of the day, <laughs> both of those scenarios. Were different. Both of those scenarios Mm. were were affected differently. Both of those scenarios could have gone entirely fucking differently but both of those scenarios there was at least a de-escalation from from the British police and in America I don't necessarily see a de-escalation. I often see people dragging things out for what reason? For what reason are you lying on someone's fucking head for nine minutes? I don't know what justification there is for that. He'd been fucking checked on the radio. They had him up against the wall for a few minutes before, then he came back round. I didn't ever see him resisting. You've handcuffed him. He's on the floor. I mean, he was a big lad, but he's handcuffed. You don't need to be fucking kneeling on somebody. And then there was one the other day as well. Did you see that? Uh, someone caught it on camera. Uh, another police officer arresting a looter and kneeling on the fucking back of their head. And they're like, mate, are you fucking off your head? And even the other policeman fucking cracked him and was like, get off his fucking neck. As the crowd was all screaming at him to say, get off his fucking neck.
3: And the, 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 the annoying thing with that is as well is, you know, they should have known the first time or, the f- or, you know, 50 years ago, whenever it was, the first time not to nail on someone's neck, not to do it that way. The, probably the cracking and don't go on his neck is you're making us look bad rather than you're going to hurt him. It's don't nail oh, yeah. on someone's neck now you know, wait until this has all died down and we can start doing that again. That's what it feels like. There doesn't seem to be a a systemic change or a feeling that there's going to be, you know, nationwide or worldwide sort of policies and changes brought in where things have to be done a certain way or you will be sacked and you will go to prison. It just feels like, well, some of us are trying to do things a bit better now because people are watching and some of us are just going mental because now look at us, we've got paint guns. Do you know what I mean? Like people getting shot in the face with with smoke grenades from point-blank range for standing in the middle of the street. It just You can't imagine the, the, the mentality that you're under such scrutiny, you've got such a, a important job to do at the best of times, and even now it's, it's under twice the magnification it ever would be, and, the, and it's still being treated the way it is. Just You can't imagine why it's going on like that.
2: I saw a so- sign uh, yesterday, which was a guy holding it, and it said, you think this is bad? Wait until he gets a not-guilty not verdict. Uh, that doesn't even bear thinking about does it because at least he's been arrested you think that the arrest of him and the charging has probably actually quietened down some of the protests i would think if he gets a not guilty on this now oh my fucking god if you're in america and you're watching don't go out at all just don't because it's gonna end fucking very very badly and and you know you you are seeing people be fucking indiscriminately attacked for being in the wrong fucking neighborhood at the moment. Which is yeah. just fucked. No. And, and yeah, at the end of the day, it's that. Look, if you want to support it, support it. Um, but I think the the time is now to be vocally anti-racist right. rather than just not being fucking racist about going through your day. Because it it happens fucking everywhere, literally everywhere.
0: Look, yeah. I I've been I've been saying this. Since this whole thing's been happening, it's been very uh, eye-opening for many Americans. It's uh, it's finally the fuse is finally blown. It's something that we need to address now. You know, some people are some people are talking about, oh, it's th- it's the wrong time. It's the pandemic. No, it's no, it's now. It's now. You need to address it now. And if you're not an African American and if you're not black and if you're not feeling this systemic hatred, you have to shut up. You have to learn. You have to listen. You have to listen you have to listen and you have to listen some more because you have to understand that you will never be in a position like that. If you're just, if you're not, if you're, if you're, if the color of your skin is not black, you will not never understand that you have to listen and you have to understand that you're, you're just not going to, you're just not going to feel the same pain they do. So you have to do whatever you can to be a part of the change. Because if you don't, this is just going to continue this cycle, this cycle of hatred. You know, we talked about Trump. We talked about all this hate, it's easier to hate. It's harder to love. It's easier to it's easier to blame. It's harder to forgive. It'll always be that way. You have to make a proactive change, and it has to happen now because it is an absolute catastrophe and an absolute joke that people, innocent lives are out there just being taken simply based on the color of their skin. And it's unacceptable, and it has to change across the globe. And we talked about you know, just uh, being anti-racist as opposed to being uh, not racist. Sure, if that's what it takes, you have to do something to learn and listen and educate yourself because it, it at the end of the day, nothing will change. If every single one of us doesn't get up, nothing will change.
2: Preach. Good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's no uh, nothing else left to say on that. Um, cheers, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe. It does feel like football's coming back. Um, I do probably expect more on the Black Lives Matter and the whole incident, um, Jay wanted us to do a Wally of the Week. I think there's only one person that you can even fucking consider for Wally of the Week. And I don't think, I think Joe said this before we went live, I, I don't think Wally of the Week does this guy justice. But Derek Chauvin, um, if you'd have done your fucking job properly, more deaths wouldn't have occurred, let alone George Floyd's. You know, there's always a fucking fuse that that lights off change and let's hope that there's actually fucking change on the back of this. Um, and that means, you know, that, that obviously means with what's going on, but it also means at the fucking ballot boxes as well and, and where you're fucking spending your money on media because the the British media dictated our election, the recent one and, and all Brexit. Uh, I can't speak for America for what I do see of the likes of Fox news and stuff like that. It's laughable. Um, so you, you, vote, you vote at the ballot box, you vote with where you buy newspapers, you vote with where you watch and which news outlets you support um, and all of that plays into it. The media is extremely powerful and, uh, and unfortunately it's one fucking guy with Murdoch um, who controls a hell of a lot of it, both Fox News and all of the, a lot of the tabloids in England. Oh. Um, he's the fucking kingmaker. So it wouldn't be too bad to see some of them fucking businesses go out uh, during this current pandemic, but cheers for tuning in horrible thing to end it on, uh, but can't be ignored with what's going on in the world. Um, and obviously it's, it's affecting a lot of the people in our audience. Um, so stay safe, both from any of the fucking implications of what's going on, um, with the rioting and the protesting. Um, but also there's a fucking worldwide killer pandemic going on as well. So wash your fucking
0: hands. Um, and we'll see you in the next one. Laters.